cue the scary music. If you don't look cool, chances are you're doing something wrong. I played Half-Life. I didn't know Morgan Freeman was shooting gravity guns, but... If you don't have scratches on your gun, either you're not training hard enough, you're not pushing yourself hard enough, or you're not pushing your gun hard enough. And think of them as a broken nose. Badge of honor. I don't have a lot of experience with pikes. Um, my understanding is they're very long. Daniel has over 15 years experience as a Marine infantryman. I have over 20 years experience as a law enforcement officer. Combined, we have about 30 years of experience as firearms instructors and 32 years of experience carrying concealed weapons. The purpose of this show is to discuss firearms, equipment, and training as it relates to self-defense from a military, law enforcement, and civilian perspective. Hello, welcome to episode number 91 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm Daniel Shaw. John's not with me today because I'm just here at Thunderbird Tactical in Wichita, Kansas. Going to talk a little bit today about suppressors and uh, how you can get one and why you should have one. There's a lot of stuff going around the interwebs and uh, casual conversation about uh, the ownership of silencers or suppressors, and a lot of it's wrong. So my attempt today is going to be to you know tell you the truth, tell you how it is, so you increase your knowledge about suppressors if you're going to make that purchase, and what you need to do to, to make it happen. With me today is a co-worker of mine, Mason Felter. Hi, Mason. How's it going, Daniel? Hey, good to have you here with me. Mason is a... Uh, Kind of a, a long range guy. He really likes uh, long range guns. He's got a, a really sexy black ops rifle. Uh, he likes to go take the long range courses and uh, snipey type stuff. And that's kind of his forte and stuff he learns about. He's the guy whenever I, I have any questions about anything uh, optic wise, he spits out crazy amounts of knowledge at a rapid rate and starts rocking back and forth like Rain Man sometimes. Uh, but he also has a lot of knowledge about suppressors, and most of that comes from just studying products and you know what uh, end users who have bought the stuff came back and you know talked to him about and uh, what he's learned along the years. And he's also you know owned a few suppressors and does right now, and he uh, uses them on a regular basis. So uh, he's a good man to ask; has a lot of information. Before we get going on that, I want to invite you guys to go to gunfightercast.com, uh, download Vitals of Defense Episode Two. I've got both of those out now: Episode One and Two out. Uh, so you can go check that out. Haven't talked about that in a while because I haven't been on GunfighterCast or done an episode in a while. Uh, our last two episodes, probably the best episodes ever. I wasn't even on them. I invite you to go get those, download those. That's your way of supporting GunfighterCast. You know, I put a lot of money and time and effort into those videos, and they're really for the you know a lot of entry level shooters. But you know, I've had a lot of folks tell me that uh, I've been shooting for a while and training and law enforcement officers. They really got a lot out of them. Go support GunfighterCast by downloading those, and you're getting something in return. I don't like to ask for donations, so I'm selling you something that's going to be of value to you. Also, uh, another way for us to try to support the show, and bills are coming due this time of year for websites and everything else, is the past, uh, we have a catalog of back episodes that I've taken down about a year ago. They are now available to, for download on uh, GunfighterCast under audio downloads. Without any more of me running my mouth about stupid stuff, Mason, what is a suppressor? Well, basically, it's just a muzzle device that you're going to put on any of, you know, a number of firearms, you know, pistols or rifles uh, that are going to do a few different things. The the biggest one and most notable is going to be the reduction of sound. If you if you think about it in the sense of a car, it's it's a muffler. That's all it is. It's it's a muffler for your gun. It's going to knock down that sound, make it hearing safe for the shooter. Some are going to do more than others. You know, there's different different factors that play into how much reduction you're going to have. But one of the other big things that it does is that it's going to reduce flash too. Okay, what's the correct terminology? 
is a suppressor, silencer, can, you know, everybody uses different things and a lot of them are accepted, but is there a, does anybody really care? Is there a correct terminology or are they all just kind of accepted? They're all, you know, synonymous with, you know, suppressors. Suppressors is basically the standard term. A lot of people throw out, you know, silencers, cans for, you know, kind of slang terms, but. Silencer to me sounds kind of misleading, like a bulletproof vest. That's kind of misleading. You know, it is, you know. Because um, it's not going to. Like my silencer or suppressor that I have on my uh, new rifle, it doesn't silence 5.56. It's just not going to happen. But uh, it definitely suppresses it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the biggest thing is that everybody sees suppressors in movies. And that's that's the most misleading source of everything for suppressors in general is you see you see these guys in movies that have and in there, they're silencers because they make the gun completely quiet. You don't, you don't hear anything. You just hear a little poof out of, out of a gun. And that can happen depending on, you know, the suppressor and the bullet and everything that, that way. But in all reality, it, it is just suppressing the sound. You're going to have some sort of noise. It's just a matter of how much you're going to have out of it. What are some of the factors that you talked about that, or that you mentioned that can affect how much that noise level is suppressed? Some of them are as simple as, you know, the type of ammunition. Uh, certain, certain rounds have different pressures. You know, 5.56 five, is a very high pressure round and it makes it hard for that round to suppress versus, you know, something like a, a 308. 308's not a very high pressure round. You're going to get more suppression out of the same suppressor. You know, a lot of people will go back and forth using the same suppressor on, you know, a 5.56 five, and a 308 and they're going to suppress that 308 better. Uh, other factors come into, you know, the the load of ammunition, you know, between 308, for example, that's what I shoot a lot of. You've got supersonic ammunition, which is what 99% of the ammo that you're going to find out there is, where you're gonna you're gonna let that round off and it's gonna suppress all the noise at the shooter, but you're gonna have a downrange crack where it's breaking that sound barrier. Versus subsonic ammunition, where that round is never breaking that sound barrier, so you're not gonna have that crack. That's where you really start getting into, you know, those Hollywood quiet sounds of, of where, a gun. Where I see a difference, you know, I taught a class this past weekend using my 10-inch gun with my Gemtech G5, and I, it's hearing safe, and it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it, and it was just a good shooting gun, but it, it wasn't super quiet. Uh, but then the previous class I taught, I uh, was running 300 Blackout Subsonic, and that is close to that Hollywood Poof, like nothing to it. Like you can hardly even hear it. Uh, you get, you're actually getting a lot more noise impact at the target than you are at the gun. Uh, even though you are away from the target, it's louder when it hits that, uh, whatever your impact berm is or whatever than it is actually the gunshot itself. Um, which was really impressive with that subsonic 300 blackout. Absolutely. You know, one, one other last factor that really plays into, into how much sound you're going to have is your action type. Uh, you know, I shoot a lot of bolt action rifles. And going back and forth between bolt action and semi-auto, anytime you got that semi-auto, you're going to get a little bit of sound out of that action versus, you know, a bolt where all that sound is being directed straight down the barrel through the suppressor versus a little bit leaking out at the back. Uh, you know, I see it a lot in 22s even, you know, guys will shoot subsonic 22 through a semi-auto, you know, something like a Smith & Wesson MP1522 or a Ruger 1022. And then they'll switch over to a bolt action subsonic 22. It's noticeably quieter. Hmm. So what about barrel length? How does that affect the suppressor? Well, let's say as far as noise suppression and operation. Barrel well, on length a, is going to... Sorry to interrupt you again. On okay. an AR style, yeah. Let's go with that. 
on an AR style gun, uh, it's going to make a little bit of difference, you know, depending on your barrel length. Obviously, a longer barrel is going to allow you to have more powder burn, uh, which is going to, you know, equate to a little bit better suppression. The biggest thing on any barrel length in an AR pattern rifle is you got to look at your suppressor and what it can handle. You know, some suppressors are better suited for longer barreled rifles. You know, you compare like an AAC M4 2000 versus the AAC Mini 4. Certain certain suppressors like the Mini 4 are designed for longer barreled rifles. They're not going to suppress a 10 inch or a 12 inch as well as they're going to suppress a 14.5 and longer, which is what they were designed for. It's really a, a balancing act of, you know, how much, how much volume you have in your can versus your barrel length. You know, if you've got a shorter barrel, you're going to want some more volume in your suppressor to capture a lot of that extra noise that's going to be coming out. So for my case, uh, and for the listeners out there, I just picked up a PWS Mark 110 Mod 1 uh, and a Gemtech G5. The Gemtech G5 was actually a second choice for me. Uh, I was going to go with the AAC uh, SDN6, and uh, that was going to be my option. It's a 30 cal can, so I could run it on a 308 gun later on when I get one, uh, and I could also you know, run it on my AR. Didn't have any of those in stock. They were on order. We're here yet, and I'm really concerned about everything happening with the NFA Trust and everything, and so I wanted to go ahead and jump in and make the purchase and get my tax stamp at least starting to work on so they cash my check, and I'm already at least... I'm, I'm fit in there, you know, in, in case they have to grandfather me in or whatever. I made it in time. So that was one of my concerns. So I went ahead and just picked that one up and started the paperwork right away. I can't take it and put another gun, but that's a, a good option. But I went with a 10-inch gun because I wanted a nice short platform after the suppressor. I don't plan on ever running the gun without the suppressor on it, So, but I wanted a nice short gun. What if Could I go any shorter than 10 inches, Mason? Not with that suppressor that you have there. A lot of a lot of people look at the 7-inch 5.56 rifles, and they're... They're cool. The biggest issue with them is that you've got a lot of pressure and a lot of unburnt powder. And there's only a few companies out there that manufacture a suppressor for those for those seven inch rifles. One of those being Thunderbeast, the other being Brevis. They're both phenomenal cans, but one one big thing is that you're gonna add some extra weight because they're an all stainless steel construction. It's those really get into that kind of specialized market. Uh ten inch seems to be the the kind of tipping point where any suppressor for the most part is going to be good to go on that length of a barrel. What about operating systems? How does that, how does the operating system affect um, the, the function of the gun and with the suppressor? People talk about make sure you have some way to adjust the regulator uh, on the gun or not. Uh, piston. Some people say use a piston. Some people prefer the direct gas. You know, what, what do you, what's your personal opinion in your own experience? Well, for me, I shoot a lot of piston rifles when I'm shooting carbines. I, I like the piston system because anytime you throw a suppressor on the end of that muzzle, you're going to get some back pressure. Uh, it's going to, it's going to cause some extra gases to come back through that barrel as well as that gas system and escape. It's going to cause you a little bit more carbon fouling in your action, which is why I like the piston. You know, all those gases and everything like that, for the most part, are getting regulated off out at the front of the system versus coming back into your receivers. Having, having an adjustable gas system on that piston is even better because going back to that increased back pressure, it's going to increase your cyclic rate, which is going to, you know, potentially cause malfunctions, whether it's, you know, the, you're picking up a round before the other one ejects, causing double feeds, things like that. In a, in a direct gas gun, there's a couple ways to, you know, solve that problem. And the most common way is to increase your buffer weight to slow down that cycling. But for me, I prefer the piston just because it runs a little bit cleaner. You know, I've seen guys that 
have run, you know, five, five, six cans on short barreled rifles that are direct gas and they run them for, you know, an hour in a class. They come back to, you know, reload magazines and their face is all black because all those gases coming through that gas tube have started to come out through your ejection port and they're just spraying all over your face. Well, there's also some, some of that coming back through the barrel itself, right? There, there is. Because uh, I noticed that, you know, this is, this is my first piston gun. Well, really second because I had the 516. Uh, this is my first piston gun that I really ran, you know, quite a bit or plan on running a lot more. And the first one I ever ran suppressed. And it was dirty. It was really dirty at the end of the day. Uh, it was dirty early on. I didn't put maybe a, a little bit under 200 rounds through it. Uh, there was just a lot of stuff coming back around the magazine, on the rounds in the magazine. Uh, and I typically don't see that unsuppressed. There will be, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's going to be some extra gases and carbon and things like that that are going to come back through your barrel, but it's going to be, uh, significantly minimized by running that piston system. You know, you compare the same, same length barrel, same length gas system with the same suppressor on a direct gas, and you're going to notice significantly more carbon buildup. Cause it really surprised me. There was a lot more carbon buildup back there in that receiver than I expected. You know, just from the suppressor and the piston gun. All right. So why would anybody want a suppressor? Well, it comes down to a few different factors. You know, it depends on the biggest thing is what type of suppressor we're talking about. A lot of people come in and they ask me that question. My first thing that I look at is, you know, pistol suppressors. There's a lot of people that question, you know, a pistol suppressor because they're like, well, it doesn't fit in a holster. Sure. It's not the most practical thing for, you know, a concealed carry application or, you know, out in the field, whatever. But where I look at it, is in the role of a home defense gun because most people are going to keep a pistol as their primary home defense gun, I think. And a lot of people don't go out and train where, you know, I'm going to turn off the lights and I'm going to be in an enclosed space, you know, go to your local range. They're not going to turn the lights off for you most of the time. But as soon as you break off that first round and you don't have anything on your muzzle, you're going to notice a large flash coming out of your muzzle which is going to, you know, temporarily blind you potentially. You know, a lot of a lot of houses have white or light colored walls, which is going to amplify that it, that light that's coming out. You know, the suppressor is going to minimize or in some cases completely eliminate that muzzle flash. And that's the that's the most important thing on a home defense pistol for me. Well, tactically, you know, you're reducing your signature radius for, you know, a bad guy to see exactly where you're at uh, to buy the sound and the visual. And you're also uh you know, you're not the hearing side of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's nice if you know if you if you break off that first shot. You know, you're also going to preserve your your hearing, uh, which is helpful. You know, maybe there's more than one guy in your house. Uh, you can now you've well, they got to be good. You know, they women breaking the house. Yeah, reason? they do. You know, <laughs> but whoever it is, they they now you know you've gained that advantage that you can still hear if there's another intruder in your home. Versus, you know, your ears are ringing, you don't know what's going on, you're disoriented. It, it really, for me, is a very valuable tool. It's also another tool for taking a new shooter out. I really loved running that 300. I could do it with my 5.56, but the 300 blackout was just even better. Teaching a class there, demonstrating stuff. I did not ask if people had their eyes and ears on. I didn't have to stop and say, get your eyes and ears back on. Uh, they all kept their eyes on. I told them to do that, but I didn't care if they had their earplugs off or their hearing protection off because I would just shoot because it wasn't loud. It was super quiet. That for teaching people is awesome. You know, bringing some friends out to go shoot, somebody who's kind of skeptical on the fence about guns, 
uh, even if you're just talking about a 22, making that thing quiet, making that person a little more comfortable with that gun and, and you know, understanding that this isn't a evil thing that flies around killing folks, you know, it's a tool that could save your life. And they're also a heck of a lot of fun, you know, so come enjoy these guns, you know, and it's uh, it's good for taking new shooters out. It really is. Absolutely. You know, the the other thing that I've that I've noticed is one of the biggest fears for people, I'll say, uh, especially new shooters, is, and what really increases, you know, how much recoil and things like that that they perceive is the sound. So, you know, if you can reduce that, it'll it'll help them as well. Oh, before we move on to the next question, can you tell me about the phenomenon known as first round pop and how that uh, exists, you know, depending on the baffling system that the suppressor uses? Yeah, absolutely. Basically, all you're, all you're doing when you get that first round pop is your suppressor's been sitting for a while and oxygen is built up in your suppressor between your baffles. It's more noticeable uh, in, you know, monocore design systems. But when that round goes through, it's superheating that oxygen and it's causing a mini explosion inside where all that oxygen is disappearing. You get that first round pop and then all the oxygen is now, for the most part, gone from that suppressor and it's going to be a lot quieter. Okay, so we decided that we want one. And another reason why you want one, I don't know if you guys meant or, or saw it or not, but I posted on the Gunfighter Podcast Facebook page a new blog post I made. And it was all meant to be sarcastic. It was my idea for a new common sense gun law. Basically, the gist of it was, since we're all paying for the Affordable Care Act, Care Act, and we're all, uh, you know, paying taxpayer monies, you know, funding health care for everyone, we need to reduce the amount of hearing damage to U.S. citizens, uh, whether it's in a defensive shooting situation or uh, just out of the range, plinking or shooting a competition, whatever you're doing. We need to make sure that we're not injuring other people's ears and injuring our ears because taxpayers have to pay for that treatment of those injured ears. And the best way to protect that and the taxpayer dollar and, and make sure that everyone gets affordable health care and not raise the costs, we need to make sure that we make suppressors much easier to obtain and much faster to obtain uh, so we don't have to wait the 8 to 12 months we have right now for to get our tax stamp back so we can go ahead and take that suppressor home. So we need to make it much more affordable. We're doing it for the kids. You know, we're doing it for... It's for, it's just plain good etiquette to quiet your gun down. And, you know, it's helping people that can't afford health care get health care by putting a suppressor on your gun. Makes a lot of sense to me anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why, that's a few reasons why they'd want one. And of course, there's many other reasons and there's many of other things we haven't talked about so far. But how do you get one? How do you get a suppressor? Somebody wants a suppressor, Mason. What do they have to do to get that suppressor? Well, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to find your local class three dealer. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but there's a big difference between, you know, a lot of people refer to suppressors as class three items versus, you know, NFA items. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, but you want to find your class three dealer. That's, that's your local FFL that is going to handle, you know, your suppressors, your short belt rifles, short belt shotguns, you know, the occasional machine gun. And you're going to go and you're going to select your suppressor. You know, there's obviously a lot of factors. You got to determine what your intended purpose is. Uh, you got to determine what your firearm that you're going to suppress is. And once you've selected that, for most people, at least it is here at our shop, you know, Thunderbird Tactical, you have to pay for your suppressor. Once once you've selected and paid for your suppressor, we can get going on your additional paperwork. The additional paperwork involves, you know, the first thing is how you're going to own that suppressor. And this is what's coming up in, in a lot of the news and everything on online now is, you know, 
owning your suppressor as an individual versus owning it under a legal trust. What are the advantages of the legal trust? The biggest one is shared ownership. You know, a lot of people... Well, I mean, so if I were to get it under just my name, myself, go get the local chief, law enforcement officer, or whatever, sign this thing, and I've got it, um, and then I die in a car wreck the next day, what happens to my gun? In that time, you know, once you've gotten your your NFA tax stamp and you own it as an individual, you can will that item to, you know, a family member or whoever you choose. The problem there is, is that that person then has to go out and go through the exact same process that you went went through and pay an additional $200 to get their own tax stamp versus owning it under an NFA, NFA trust where that person is on that trust. And the best way I describe it to anybody is think of it as a company. You know, the company owns the suppressor and the stamp and you, the, the trustee, you're in charge of that company or the trust. And then anybody else is, you know, think of them as an employee, you know, th- your, your kids, your wife, your, your brother, your mom, whoever you want on that trust. And they have, you know, that shared ownership of it. And in the event of your passing, you know, that trust maintains control of the stamp and it just transfers ownership within Okay. So it's really more convenient for the family and they don't have to pay again as well. Exactly. You know, that, pay that tax stamp, you don't have to pay it every time, you know, it gets handed to somebody else. Exactly. On that trust. You know, the other, the other big thing as far as the shared ownership is a lot of people say, well, I don't necessarily want anybody to have access to it. That's all, you know, that's cool. But if you live in a, in a home, you know, you're married, you have kids. Thing to look at is, are any of them going to have access to that item? Because if you really look at it in depth, if you own it as an individual, nobody else in your house can have access to it. That includes, you know, up to the point of having the combination to your safe. Anytime that item is in use and someone has access to it other than you, you have to be within what's called reasonable proximity, which, you know, most cases can be as, as close or as far as, you know, you're on the range, you're using it and you let your buddy shoot it while you go to the bathroom. That technically is a is a no-no. Depending on who's interpreting that. Yeah, could be. All right. So I the trust, is it made sense to me. That's why I went that route. I didn't want to put any burden on anybody else. And I want to, if something happens to me, I want to make sure that, you know, my kids get to enjoy this 10-inch gun with a suppressor. And whatever else I end up putting on my trust in the future. It's important to me. Uh, I, I just could imagine being back in the 80s. And suddenly there was no more machine guns. Couldn't get them or anything else. And say I had the money for them and everything, and I just missed that opportunity. And with all the the, the antis and the government, the idiots that be in, in charge and all that, they have been losing right and left. They've been constantly losing. They can't get a win for anything. It's just as it rightly should be based on data and facts. The pro-gun activists and uh, us, you know, law-abiding armed citizens are winning. We really are. You might have some naysayers and saying stuff all the time, but when we actually look down to it, we're we're tearing them up. You know, we really are, right and left. That doesn't mean they're going to stop. It doesn't mean we need to stop. And they needed a win really bad. So this NFA is kind of like blood in the water. Uh, they, it's kind of an easy thing that they could possibly do. So they're going after that pretty hard right now. 
uh, with the NFA Trust. So I'm hoping they, they lose and I'm hoping it gets a lot of visibility because I would like to see suppressors completely off the NFA list. I think they have absolutely no business being on the NFA list. They shouldn't even be an NFA item. We should be able to walk into a gun store and walk out with a suppressor. It's, it's, it shouldn't be an issue at all. That's my own personal belief. Uh, it seems to work in Europe, that place. They don't have people running around killing folks with suppressed guns all the time. And they're... I'm not mistaken. Uh, the people I've talked to is like you just. And I, we had a guy come in here recently from Britain, and he says uh, we have to do all this for a suppressor. He's like, I can just walk into a place and, and buy it, mate. You know, that's what he was telling us. And it's not a big deal over there at all. We need to be that way here. It just doesn't even make sense for them to be an NFA item. Okay, so that's how you get one. Uh, and right now, because sequester and uh, government shutdown. We don't know the exact amount of time it's going to take, but we're seeing a lot of stamps come in here recently. So guys are, are probably, if you're going to come in and, and begin to get a suppressor to your local store, you're probably looking at 8 to 12 months would probably be a reasonable estimation. you agree with that? Yeah, you know, it, locally for, for where we are, you know, here in Wichita, I'm going to quote anybody that comes in, you know, 10 to 12 even possibly, you know, out to 15 months, but it all completely depends on where you are. You know, there's, the country is divided up into different regions, different sections for their examiners. You know, some, some states like uh, Texas, for example, they have their own examiner. That's, that's the only state that that guy does or, or girl, you know, I don't know, but each region, you know, has different women, (laughs) but any region has their own examiner and it just depends on how many, how many applications they're getting, you know, how long it takes. You know, I've heard people, you know, out of Kentucky say, oh, it's taken us forever. It's taken us four months. I'm like, I wish it was taking us that, yeah, that'd be nice. that little amount of time to get stamps back here. But, you know, it's, it's just a location based thing. Okay. So we got all those technical stuff and how to get it and everything out of the way, especially you guys that are really, really considering one, or if you weren't already and now you are or whatever. This is where you really want to pay attention. We're going to talk about what are, what are some different types and brands out there and which one's best for you or whatever your application is. Before we do that, I just want to let you guys know that as every episode is, this episode's brought to you by and sponsored by G-Code Holsters. Uh, you can find those at tacticalholsters.com and use the coupon code GUNFIGHTERCAST, all one word, and uh, get 10% off. You guys were spending too much money at G-Code, so they dropped our 15% off and made it 10% off. So if you got in there on the 15%, good job. They were like, dude, you're, you're breaking this because all your people are coming and buying holsters. So they had to drop me to 10%. So sorry about that, guys. But you still get 10% off, which is a good deal. Still love my NCOG. I got to run a lot of other... Uh, the RTI system and other G-Code holsters. And I just got a new piece of gear from G-Code that I'll have a video coming out on pretty soon. They sent me um, the D3, the Haley Strategic Partners D3 carrier by G-Code to test out a little bit and do a little video on. So that'll be coming out pretty soon. But uh, G-Code, good quality stuff. If you want a good holster, uh, something's going to work for you. Veteran-owned company, man. You can't beat G-Code. Go check them out. Um, so, okay, what are some brands we got out there, Mason? And we'll, we'll talk about which one's best, so we'll, we'll probably get to benefits and which ones you like better and why and everything else, but just some general names that people can look at and look up. You know, as far as the ones that, that we carry here in the store that are, you know, the common, you know, big names in, in the suppressor sector of the industry, uh, there's Surefire, uh, Advanced Armament Corp., Gemtech, Silencer Co., uh, I'm trying to think here, uh, Thunder Beast Arms. One that's not as well known that we stock and deal a lot with is a uh, is a Huntertown arm. Okay, so those are some brands. So I'm just going to play customer 
or play, you know, Gunfighter Cast listener and come in here and I'm going to ask you, tell you what I've got and you tell me, give me a little bit about what I should match that with. Sure. I'm running a Glock 17. I don't have a threaded barrel. What suppressor should I have? What do I need to do to my gun? Well, the, the first, the first and most important thing, if you want to run a suppressor, you're going to have to have a threaded barrel, especially, I mean, pistols, you're going to, unless your gun came with a threaded barrel from the factory, which most of them don't, you're going to need to order a threaded barrel. There's a couple, couple big manufacturers out there that I like, uh, Lone Wolf, or my personal preference is, uh, Storm Lake. They make high quality stainless steel match grade barrels. That's what, you know, 95% of our customers end up getting when they want a threaded barrel for their, for their pistol. Okay. After that, you know, it's a matter of determining what are the important factors to you. You know, going back to earlier, as far as a home defense suppressor, are you wanting it to be hearing safe and suppress that flash that you just want it to be just hearing safe? Or are you going to want ultimate suppression? That's the, those are the two big differences that I see on a, especially on a pistol suppressor. I want ultimate suppression that I take to the range and I blow my friend's minds because my suppressor is so quiet. Okay. So that's going to put you into a realm of a little bit bigger suppressor. I run a nine millimeter suppressor on my Smith and Wesson MP. Uh, the one that I have is a Gym Tech Tundra. Uh, I thought it was the best balance of, you know, affordability, suppression level, lightweight. There's a lot of other good ones out there as well. You know, the the most popular one for us is the Advanced Armament Corp Tyrant 9S. It's a, it's a little bit longer than the Tundra. It's going to give you a little bit more volume, which is going to equal suppression level. It's also got a titanium body on it. So it's nice and lightweight, but it's a little bit more expensive. Okay. There's also uh, Silencer Co. makes their Osprey 9, which is another fantastic suppressor. And that's one that is kind of non-traditional. It's not just a circular tubular shaped suppressor. I really like the Ospreys, the way they, they're designed. It's just you really don't even need suppressor sights, you know, depending on the way your gun's set up uh, and what gun you're putting it on. Instead of having all that bulk around the center of where it attaches to the barrel, it attaches quite a bit differently. Yeah, it, they designed it initially as a forty five for, you know, use with the FNP 45 Tactical, which is now the FNX 45 Tactical, where more of the body of the suppressor actually sits below the bore axis, which allows you to not need suppressor sights if you if you choose to run suppressor sights. But it's a it's a different design. You know, it's it's an octagonal design. It requires a an indexing lock. So you thread it onto your onto your barrel and then you open up that lock so you can time it. A little bit different design, but it's definitely unique. Okay. So those are pistols. So now Rifle. Say I've got a direct impingement gun, 16-inch barrel, and I'm shooting 5.56 or 223, and I want to suppress it. And what are my options? Well, the first thing that I would, uh, you know, ask you is, do you do you shoot any other calibers? Do you shoot 308? Do you shoot 300 blackout? Or do you even have plans to? And I say, of course, yeah, I've got a Bruins 700 308. That's gonna that's gonna put you into a little bit different realm. You know, at that point, I would recommend some sort of 30 caliber can. That's also a quick disconnect. The advantage there is you put one muzzle device or you put multiple muzzle devices, you know, each rifle has its own quick attach muzzle device. You know, whether it's, you know, a bilug system from Gymtech, the 51 tooth ratchet mount from AAC, you know, whichever. And then, you know, I direct you towards, you know, our most popular one here is the Advanced Armament Corp 7.62 STN6, which does use that 51 tooth ratchet mount. It was 
you know, designed around 300 blackout. It suppresses 308 extremely well, suppresses 556 extremely well. I've run that can on my 16 inch PWS gun and it works phenomenally. It doesn't add a lot of extra length. You know, it only adds five and a half, six inches to the overall length of your gun, which is a nice factor there. Okay. So if you didn't shoot any other calibers, you don't plan on ever shooting any other calibers, then you might would go something with some like what I picked up was the like a Gym Tech G5. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the G5 is a fan, is a phenomenal, phenomenal suppressor. There's been, you know, reports from Gym Tech of customers, you know, whether they're stateside or overseas, you know, suppressors that have been used in, you know, active theaters that have had, you know, 100,000 rounds plus through their through the suppressors and they've been sent back to be rebaffled to get that, you know, true suppression level that they originally had from the factory. Gym Tech evaluated them. They said, still within spec, you know, it's maybe two decibels louder than when it initially came out. Two decibels, really not detectable to the human ear. You know, you don't start detecting that difference until, you know, three and a half or so. So they sent them back. They said, it's still within spec, you know, shoot another hundred thousand rounds through it and then we'll rebaffle it for you. One thing I liked a lot about the G, the, I kind of like the muzzle devices a little bit better from AAC, just because even running without the suppressor. But as I said, you know, I, I intend to keep the suppressor on this gun. I really like the the, the quick detach on the, with the G5. You guys want to hear it? That was it. Now it's going back on. Here you go. You ready? Back on. Pretty sweet. So there's you know, a few different options for folks who are looking for a suppressor for the rifle or handgun. Do you have something else? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, going back to what Daniel was saying about his uh, his G5 there, you know, it uses that bilug system. One of the big things that I like about the bilug system over the 51 tooth ratchet mount from AAC or most others is that it doesn't happen very often. But say you were ever to have a, you know, a catastrophic failure of your suppressor where, you know, it blows up, you know, you need to get it off somehow. The biggest thing that you're going to notice on a suppressor is that it's going to heat up really quickly. The advantage to that G5 being a bilug, you know, index it on your lugs, you push it down, you quarter turn it, you let up and it's locked on. Well, if you need to, and it's too hot, you can actually put that, that sucker to the ground between your feet and take your rifle off of the suppressor. Yep, it's definitely quick on and off and easy on and off. All right. So I don't know which one's best for you, but go do some research, uh, ask around, you know, get some good answers. Shoot me an email, obviously, at Daniel at gunfightercast.com if you like. If I don't know the answer, then I'll get the answer and I'll get back to you, of course. Speaking of questions, uh, we get some pretty funny questions uh, about suppressors, and sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're common, sometimes they're less common. But uh, what I, I put down here for we're going to talk about is some frequently asked questions. And again, I'll be the, the guy asking the question, and Mason, you'd be the answer giver. Are suppressors legal? They are legal, you know. It really comes down to a matter of, you know, states versus federal. Uh, federally, they are legal for you to own. It's just a matter of whether your state that you live in is suppressor friendly or not. You know, last I saw, it was something like 40 states, 41 states, somewhere in there are suppressor friendly. Others, not so much, but that's a, that's a state issue. Who can get a suppressor? Like, do you have to have a special license? You don't have to have a special license. You know, I get a lot of people coming in that say, you know, Oh, I've got to get my class three license or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. The first thing is it, think of it the same as a handgun. You still have to be 21 to purchase a suppressor. 
And once you've purchased it, you're going to submit your ATF Form 4s, which is your one-time application to purchase an NFA item. That's where you submit your $200, and that's what gets you your tax stamp. It's All you're doing is you're paying a one-time federal excise tax, and you're getting a stamp that shows that you paid it. And it's just that amount of time is all the processing. And uh, is it reasonably true if you can come into a store and buy a handgun, you can buy a suppressor? Absolutely. You know, I, I've never seen a customer come in that, you know, could buy a handgun that didn't get their suppressor. Okay. Uh, I heard that suppressors reduce guns' accuracy. Is that true? They do it in all the video games. You put a suppressor on the gun and, like, your your gun is garbage now in the video game. How does that work? Uh, Not necessarily. You know, there's certain suppressors out there that are inherently more accurate than others. You know, it depends on a number of things, you know. I run my Black Ops Precision uh, my 308, and I run it with a direct thread suppressor on it. I find that that direct thread has a better lockup. It indexes the exact same every single time, and that's an important factor. You know, I don't have any wobble or play in it, which is going to increase my accuracy. You know, a lot of people will see a little bit increased accuracy because sometimes, not on every suppressor, but on certain suppressors, you will get what's called a freeboard boost, which will actually give you a little bit better muzzle velocity because it's basically acting as an extension of that barrel where those gases are still pushing it just a little bit. You know, sometimes it's 10 feet per second on average. Sometimes it's 50. It just depends on the suppressor. If you're running a suppressor with a quick disconnect, the method of that quick disconnect system can play into factor as well. You know, how secure, how tight it locks up. Uh, Surefire is a big, big company on their quick disconnect precision suppressors because they give their customers a repeatable point of impact shift. That's the other thing that you're going to get with a suppressor is it's going to shift where the, where those rounds impact downrange. You know, a hundred yard zero suppressed is going to be different than a hundred yard zero unsuppressed. It's just because of the expansion of those gases at the muzzle. Okay. I know when I was in a a school in Quantico, Virginia, and I got to go visit the precision weapon section, uh, the Marine Corps, that builds the M40s and uh, every other guns they make over there, MUSOC 45, when they're still doing those. I guess they're still making some of those, but they were at the time when I was there. Uh, and they were, they had the little booth or truing section that would go make sure that all their guns were perfect before these M40s went out to the snipers that were going to be, you know, using them, killing bad guys. Um, they were seeing better accuracy suppressed as far as grouping. Uh, than they were unsuppressed. And they were talking about the same thing. There's a shift between zero suppressed and unsuppressed. Uh, and, uh, you know, all my little scout snipper buddies were always talking about, you know, they had to get their data for suppressed and unsuppressed and everything else. And so they, they were seeing more accuracy. They were seeing better, tighter groups that were beyond the standards that they needed to get those guns out suppressed. Uh, and then they would take them off and they would still get great groups. Just there would be, it was better suppressed, which was very interesting. I heard they don't last long. Like, you buy a suppressor and you don't get very many shots out of it. That's not – I mean, it's a it's an urban myth. You know, like like I said about that G5, you know, 100,000 rounds, that's, <laughs> that's more than I'll probably shoot in, you know, maybe in my lifetime, you know. Every suppressor is a little bit different, though. You know, certain suppressors that are, you know, have an all-titanium construction, it's a, it's a durable material. But if you run it on a semi-auto where you're going to be putting a lot of rounds through it, it's going to degrade the – the lifespan of that suppressor, it all depends on, you know, the suppressor and the weapon system that you're using it on. That's why it's very important to to pick one that complements the rifle that you're going to be running it on or pistol. So but they do have more lifespan than most people are going to ever shoot in their lifetime. 
So say that SDN6 that we were talking about, 308 or the 30 cal, how many rounds can I expect to put through that? That that suppressor, you know, it's a it's a well-built, you know, sturdy Inconel baffled suppressor. I would have no doubt that, you know, you could run it just as long as a G5, you know, that 75,000 to 100,000 rounds and have no issue with it whatsoever. Okay. What about some of the handgun rounds? You're just kind of seeing similar things, say uh, an Osprey, for example. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have as much experience with the Ospreys. Um, what I do have experience with is that Gemtech Tundra. Again, nine millimeter especially isn't a super high pressure round. And if you run it like me, I run a lot of subsonic ammo through it. So it's even lower pressure then. You know, again, you know, 50, 75,000 rounds probably. Okay. Do I need to, when I'm looking for a suppressor, whether it's a handgun or a rifle, we'll talk about rifle now. Do I need one that's user serviceable? The user serviceable suppressor, uh, there's two different sides of it. There's rim fire and there's center fire. Rim fire is a very important suppressor to have one that's user serviceable because they run at very low pressures. They don't run very hot, but they are extremely, extremely dirty. You'll get a lot of, you know, lead and carbon and things like that building up in your baffle stacks, which will over time degrade, you know, the lifespan and the suppression levels of that suppressor. Anybody that comes in, I tell them, you know, you want a user serviceable rimfire suppressor. On the other hand, it's the exact opposite for a centerfire. You know, a lot of people out there have wanted that user serviceable centerfire suppressor, but really it's a solution to a problem that never existed. They run clean enough, hot enough that they service themselves. You know, I like I tell any of our customers in here, Think of them as a self-cleaning oven. You know, the pressures and the heat, they maintain themselves. You know, the G5, again, you know, I go, I keep coming back to it. It's a phenomenal can. It's not a serviceable suppressor. 100,000 rounds, that to me is evidence that it doesn't need to be. Okay. Do I need to put water in my suppressor to make it work? You don't need to put water in it. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of pistol suppressors is where you see them being talked about running wet versus dry. And all that water is going to do is, you know, you'll take, you know, maybe like a soda bottle cap full of water and put it in your suppressor. It's going to significantly increase the sound reduction that you're going to get, but it's only going to last, you know, maybe a magazine or two. It's not a necessity though. You know, depend, it, it's really a personal preference thing for me. I don't care for it because in addition to, you know, only lasting a mag or two, you're going to get a lot of, you know, splash and things like that. Just like I was talking about with, you know, direct gas, short barrel rifles, especially, and that blowback, you're going to get the same phenomenon through your pistol when you're running a suppressor wet. Uh, and the other question, you already answered that one. We can put a suppressor on multiple guns. But what about the legalities of that? Don't I need to register that other gun if I'm putting a suppressor on it? Not at all. You know, the, the suppressor itself, in the eyes of, you know, the ATF and the National Firearms Act, the suppressor is a firearm by itself. It has its own serial number. It's not registered to any specific other firearm, you know, a rifle or a pistol. That that allows you that versatility to bounce back and forth between, you know, having that 30 cal suppressor that you can run on, you know, a 308, a 300 blackout. Uh, some guys still run the 6.8. It's a, it's a great round or 5.56 or any caliber in between, you know, the... The only thing that I'll, that I tell people is, you know, if you're going to run 22, get your own 22 suppressor, just because 
Most of the center fire suppressors are going to be bigger. They're going to be heavier. Not something that you're going to want to put on most 22s out there. So get one that's separate that can be cleaned and then have your center fire suppressors separate. Cool. Mason, can you think of anything else that we need to talk about with suppressors? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people are interested in the history of, you know, the NFA, the National Firearms Act. Um, they don't understand why they initially enacted it. That's a good one. Go on. You know, they, National Firearms Act, 1934, just like I tell, you know, the history to everybody. You know, it was enacted because of, you know, the gangsters of the late, late 20s, early 30s, you know, Pretty Boy Floyd, Bonnie and Clyde. They'd all run into, you know, Sears and Roebuck and buy their, you know, full auto Thompsons and their shotguns and they'd saw them off and they'd go rob banks with them. The ATF and the federal government decided that they were going to regulate those items and decide, you know, short barreled rifles, which at the time was any rifle with a, with a barrel length under 18 inches. It's now been changed to 16 inches, but he was initially 18. Same with a shotgun, you know, 18 and a half inches is the, is the legal length. Uh, and full auto, they were going to regulate the ownership of them and they were going to charge a federal excise tax. We're enjoying the benefits of the fact that they, they put it at a $200 tax stamp. 200 bucks was a lot of money back then. 200 bucks was a, was a lot, a lot of money. You know, if you look at, you know, inflation rates and things like that today, it'd be about 3,400 bucks. You know, that, that significantly changes the game. You know, a lot of people will still complain, you know, why is it so expensive for a tax stamp? I don't really look at it that way. I, you know, I look at it as, gosh, I'm glad that they haven't kept it like everything else and, you know, increased the, increase the price as years go on. They're talking about it right now. They are. And, you know, to me, it's a double-edged sword. You know, maybe they want to control it a little bit more, but it's still a tax. And if they increase that price, who knows? It may impact the number of people that purchase NFA items, which could adversely affect how much tax that they're collecting. They don't think about it. That that would require thought. <laughs> Government's not very good at that here lately. Um, all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed and got some good information out of this oppressor episode, which is called Silent Night. How clever is that? We're near Christmas. Get it? And silencers? Come on. All right. Uh, this Silent Night episode is also brought to you by Aries Gear. You can get those at ariesgear.com. Uh, go over there and talk to Jake and Brad. And they will hook you up with the best belt in the industry. Awesome guys over there. Very, very socially responsible in terms of Second Amendment defense. Very vocal. Uh, doing a lot of good. Not just making awesome belts, but uh, doing great things for you and I as well. Uh, and they will make you the best belt you've ever had if you go check them out uh, at AriesGear.com. Uh, also, Dark Angel Medical, Carrie Davis with Dark Angel. Uh, go get some medical training. Uh, I recommend Carrie. Uh, John recommends Carrie with Dark Angel Medical. The dark kit, I keep it on my gear all the time. Pocket dark is a great everyday carry medical kit if you're looking for something like that. Uh, just all around good stuff. Again, like I mentioned early on in the episode, please, I don't like to ask for donations. You know, I don't do that very much. I listen to some podcasts. I do it all the time. I wanted to give you guys something and get so I could ask you for donations without just asking for donations. So uh, I have these the Vitals of Defense handgun uh, defensive handgun one and two. So if you go check those out, download those, bring them in, share them, share them with your family members. Uh, the whole idea behind those was you're, I, I can't get my wife to sit down and watch an eight hour Magpul DVD, no matter how sexy Travis Haley is. It's just, just not going to happen. But I wanted to get across just the vitals, just the important stuff, what she needs to know, what you need to know, what your friend needs to know that's kind of just now learning or on the fence, what they need to know. And in a short format where we're talking, you know, two 20 minute shows. 
to 20 minute episodes. It's covering a lot of stuff. So under an hour, getting a lot of information out for you to go work on uh, and increase your knowledge. So uh, please you can check those out at www.gunfightercast.com and then click the link for Vitals of Defense and uh, grab those old episodes that you're missing while you're there. Please continue to support our sponsors. Like us on Facebook. Uh, you can like us on Google Plus if you want. I won't even notice it because who uses that? I mean, really, nobody does. Uh, also getting pretty active on Instagram, so if you want to come follow us out there. But next episode, we're going to have John back. I uh, talked to John a few days ago. It's been my fault. I've been on hiatus. I started that whole company thing where I was traveling around teaching folks how to shoot guns. And uh, I got really busy, never had time to do anything except for travel around and teach folks how to shoot guns. My wife said that uh, I was always gone more with uh, Paratus Academy than I was even in the Marine Corps. Uh, then I got this great opportunity at Thunderbird Tactical as their chief instructor here in Wichita, Kansas. So packed everybody up. We rolled out here to Wichita. It is stupid cold, but a great company, great things happening. And uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of you guys out at SHOT Show that are going to be out there. Because uh, we'll be out there, and I'll be out there with the video camera doing some gunfighter cast stuff. So look forward to meeting you out there. Thanks for having me, Daniel. You're welcome, man. Thanks for joining me. Great information. All right. Gunfighter cast out. This is a Paratus Academy production. Copyright Paratus Academy 2013.